whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the Women in League show, season two, episode 18. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business. Mon, it's just me and you tonight, uh, which is going to be fun as we talk all things rugby league. Uh, but again, to our listeners, um, stay tuned next week. The full panel is back. We've got Taja. She'll be back. We've got a brand new panelist starting, which we've teased for a couple of weeks. And how good was Jackson this week as she debuted on her first episode? Uh, but Mon, she's uh, in the bunker uh, talking to, I guess, her coaches, strategizing as she continues to work her way through the Tasha Gale Cup uh, competition. So Jackson, not here tonight. Just me and you, Mon. But let's dive into it because there's plenty to talk about. Um, we're going to go into our into our DMs, uh, look, look through our different listener questions. Mon, there's a few to choose from. How about we go lock forwards from, from round five? Got a question here. Who was your most impressive lock uh, from round five? Um, I think all the locks had very strong games this week, but I am a massive fan of Hannah Southwell, as um, I'm sure you know, Dan. Um, her tackling, she is just phenomenal. We talk about it all the time, that her tackling is textbook. But it's it's the truth, you know, and Hannah leads by example in her defense. When she pulls off those big hits that she does, it fires up her teammates around her and she's just the perfect leader for her teammates, I reckon. Yeah, no, she's very, very special. And and the player, I guess, that I'm picking, um, very, very similar type player, and that's Holly Wheeler uh, for the Dragons. Uh, Mon, when you think about the lock forward position in, in the NRLW competition, it's a little bit different to the NRL, you know, where you're sort of looking for that third playmaker. You know, I, I guess in this competition, what appears to be a little bit more successful is really having that that defensive glue in the middle, someone that can sort of come in and, uh, you know, whether they're coming in as the second person coming in to a tackle, but you know, really trying to work hard defensively. Um, you know, we, we've seen some of these um, close competitions. You know, it, it, it's one try that's often the difference between a lot of these top clubs. So for me, the work that Holly Wheeler does, I think it, a lot of it goes unnoticed because, you know, it doesn't necessarily go out there and, and, and throw cutout passes and score two or three tries. But, you know, the amount of work that she gets through in defense, similar to Hannah, I think it's pretty, pretty special. I, I guess one uh, one group that, that wouldn't... Uh, uh, that her work wouldn't go unnoticed is from her teammates, Mon, because, again, whether it's Holly, whether it's Hannah, the amount of work these girls are getting through, it'd be very much appreciated amongst the playing group. Oh, absolutely. And as you said, you know, Hannah and Holly, they're not necessarily the biggest playmakers and stuff like that, and they don't score a lot of tries, but they get through the work so that the playmakers around her can do their jobs and make their jobs easier. So 100% had a big shout out to Hannah and Holly for all the work that they're doing because it's not going unnoticed. That's it. Cause you think, you know, I, I you know, we, we, we almost need to keep track of this is how many, I guess, tries do they prevent? You know what I mean? Because that still impacts the score line. You know what I mean? Like the amount of work they get through the amount of um, tries that they stop, uh, you know, it, it's pretty special there. And uh, yeah, look, uh, big reason uh, as to why both of these teams have been successful and they're going to be big parts of their finals campaign. Stay tuned. 
Holly Wheeler, Hannah Southwell playing really, really good football. All right, well, let's jump into our first segment of tonight, the breakdown. It's do or die. One game. Got hit in the mouth and acted like somebody took our lunch money. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Um, not everything went to, went to plan at all. Uh, and they run through our ass like through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. <laughs> Big week this week, Mon, as we feature the semifinals of the NRLW competition. I mean, this is it. It is do or die. Um, and Mon, you're probably in the best spot to ask because you've just recently gone through it. You've played uh, your own semifinal. Talk to the listeners a little bit about it. And again, Take us behind the scenes to the nerves before the game because it's just so different to the regular season. You lose, you're out. It's as simple as that. Um, yeah, the nerves before a semifinal match is, is completely different to the nerves before a regular round. Um, you know, it's it's do or die. It could be your last match of the season. It could be the, your last match with, with the rest of the girls around you um, for a couple of months. And... We played in the semi-final yesterday against the West Tigers. We did get the win. Um, fortunately enough, we won 30 nil. So we're off to the big dance next week. Um, and I've been in plenty of grand finals as well. And you think semi-final nerves are bad. Grand final nerves are just even that times 10. Um, so going to be very nerve-wracking week. I'm going to try not to think about it. Um, but yeah, no, it's semi-final football is a different breed of football. Yeah, it definitely is. And I, I guess let, let's let's look at our first feature game, and that is the St George Illawarra, Illawarra Dragons, uh, who finished second on the ladder. Probably a little bit unlucky not to win the minor premiership with the Broncos pipping them in that last uh, game through for and against. Coming up against the Gold Coast Titans, there who finished in third place. Um, you know, Mon, let's talk about those nerves because. I guess how the Dragons are most likely going to be feeling is, wow, what an impressive campaign. We have played so well to put ourselves into this opportunity, but, you know, they're going to go into this game as heavy favourites, but, you know, it, it's it, it's the same for the goal. It, it's just one one game of footy, you know, and, and, you know, if they don't get it right, it, it's elimination. So, you know, the Dragons heavy favourites, it's a little bit of an awkward position for them because they don't want to get complacent because um, yeah, things go that things go the wrong way and, and they're out. Yeah. I mean, we saw it against the Titans-Broncos game. Not that uh, – I think the Broncos were maybe a little bit complacent going into that game, but the Titans aren't a team to, you know, just kind of push aside. They are a very talented side and I think – the Dragons, it's crucial for them to treat this game like a do-or-die match, not going into it complacent. Just because they have played the last five rounds incredibly well, um, you know, they need to bring that momentum into the game against the Titans and not be complacent. Um, and I think it's going to be, you know, we, we've seen some of the best from the Dragons playmakers uh, in the last couple of weeks, and I think it's it's going to be the next level for them, and I'm very excited to see well, um, the likes the likes of Tonegado just go up. 
Yeah, that's right. Let's get let's dive into it. How did they get here, Mon? How did the Dragons, I guess, you know, a lot of people were shocked by how impressive they were, but, you know, you look at their, their player list and you reflect on some of the performances that we've seen and, you know, again, I, I feel like they're really unlucky not to have claimed the minor premiership. They, they certainly deserved it through their consistent uh, performances. Uh, you know, Mon, we'll start with Emma Tonegato. She has, I guess, put herself uh, on a highlights reel that's probably going to be replayed for 5, 10, 15 years because that runaway tackle on Jess Surges, we said it in the previous episode, you know, if, if we were to simulate that again with Jess Surges making that run, there, there, there's no one in the competition that's going to be able to make that tackle. But, you know, Emma, she, she's built different and um, she's definitely brought an X factor to the Dragons. Definitely. Um, she, yeah, we know how fast Jess Surges is and for her to chase her down, and accelerate. I thought she wasn't going to get there, and then she just accelerated. She went that next year, and she got her right around the legs and took her out, and I think even Jess Sergis was surprised. She turned around, gave her a big smile, and congratulated her, and she was surprised because it was it was an awesome effort by Tonegato. Like, she has just exploded onto the scene, and she is monumental in the Dragon success. It's I, I. It's funny you say that because you know the whole. Does she have enough? You know that that extra gear that she. Can, you could kind of see it. You know she was kind of. You know I guess what she probably thought was was at that full speed, and then she knew she wasn't going to get there. And Emma just found another one, just found another gear, and uh, and tracked it down. So um, Emma Tonegato, but you know outside of her athleticism. So again, the speed, the athleticism, the agility, the ability to score tries. Mon, very, very smart player, organising things from the back, both defensively and in attack, making them really, really silky. Mon, again, you know, you think about the luxuries that this team has. Um, Quincy Dodd played quite well in that last regular season round, but welcoming back Rachel Pearson, who, you know, let's be honest, if the Dragons do serious damage in this final series, Rach may play herself, if she hasn't already, into, into that state of origin arena. I think she is up there competing with Maddie Studden for that number seven jersey, for sure. Like, you cannot go past Rachel Pearson. She can't put her aside as, you know, she's she's just a she's just an all right player. She is a phenomenal player. And I think the Dragons missed her last week. Yeah, they got the job done, but they definitely missed her. You know, they, they couldn't kick a goal. Um, and just the organisation on the field, you could see, was lacking a little bit, um, you know, Fumayono, she she's a very good six, but they miss that um, general on the field. They miss that organisation last week, and I think having her back this week is going to be phenomenal and, and it's exciting to watch her. I, I really, really hope she gets in that uh, number seven jersey. I think every time Rach kicks a goal, I think fans are going to be celebrating because uh, I think, you know, it, it's something that you just, you don't really think about, you know what I mean? The kicker lines up, kicks the goals, Rach has been doing it all season, but, you know, suddenly when she goes down, obviously that that's something they did miss, but you're right, Mon, Rach does the boring things really well. She She's not impatient, she will, you know, she will try and grind it out with you. She's one of the best game managers in the competition, and she does that through her kicking game. You know, if, if things are not on, Mon, and, and this is something we've seen in the competition, she doesn't push the pass. She lives to fight another day. She puts a massive kick in. She's always leading the kick chase. Mon, she just, again, she just bores people to death, 
builds that pressure and then the opposition make mistakes time after time. I mean, it's um, it, it's great the way she's playing. Uh, you spoke a little bit about Talia there in the sixth jersey. Mon, we've been really impressed with her. Obviously, still very young in her campaign. A lot of these players are in this first competition, but really, really strong ball carrier and really compliments Rachel. You know, sometimes in the halves, you really want a little bit of yin and yang. You want different players, and I think the Dragons got the balance there um, in terms of their two halves. They definitely do. Um, as you said before, Rachel leads around with her kicks um, and she won't push that pass. And, um, you know, she is a bit of a boring player, bores, bores you to death, but she does it perfectly. Um, and then you flip to Fui Maono and she is just – her cutout balls and her long balls are just been phenomenal this season. Like she will throw that pass and she'll pull it off and you just think, that, you know, no one else, no other player could pull that pass off but Talia. And, yeah, she is just leading with her um, passing and, and linking up with her outside backs. It's, it's phenomenal to see. She's uh, she's doing really well. I, I thought she started the season, you know, passes weren't, you know, weren't hitting. I think she was out of rhythm, you know, still sort of building that combination and, and really sort of trying to figure out when to, when to throw. But you're right, really warmed into the task and playing some great football. Uh, Mon, we spoke about the nerves, okay? Minutes coming up to kick off. You're the Dragons. You've had a great campaign. You're feeling a little bit anxious. But then, Mon, you, you look across to your forward pack and you've got Elsie Albert. You've got your skipper there in Kezi Apps who's, you know, pumping you up as you as you run on. Not to mention, you know, their, their, their back row, Shaley Bent, Cody House, um, Talia Holmes, Holly Wheeler, just to name a few, you know, really stand back. But Elsie Albert... Kezi Apps, just to name a couple of players. I mean, the nerves had kind of subsided a little bit knowing that you're going to war with these two incredible players. Yeah, if I had Kezi Apps and Elsie Albert in my team, I would have the biggest sigh of relief because those two are just machines, especially Albert. Like, she did have a couple of errors in her game this week that we saw, but when she was good, she was good. And I could not think of anything worse than trying to tackle Elsie Albert or trying to tackle Kezi Apps. And um, we haven't seen a lot of Kezi Apps this season through her injury, but the stuff that we have seen from Kezi has been amazing. And, yeah, for sure, um, I think it's it's going to be a very um, confident feeling the Dragons having those two in their team. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, you look at players like Quincy Dodd, um, Keely Davis as well. You know, these plays are perfectionists, probably weren't at their best in that last round. Way too many errors. And I, I, I feel like, uh, you know, they would have been diving into the to the tape and probably a little bit honest with themselves to say that probably wasn't their best performance, but a little bit dangerous heading into the semifinals because I think they'll, they'll be trying to turn that around. Uh, all right, mine. Well, you know, again, the, the Dragons, they're going to be hard to beat, but they're coming up against a really, I guess the word that's coming to mind when I think about the Gold Coast Titans is awkward, Mon. You know, they, they are, you know, you wouldn't say that they've really been able to put complete performances together. Probably the closest was their game against the Brisbane Broncos where they really got in the arm wrestle, frustrated the Broncos and got a historic win there. But, Mon, one thing about the Titans is they have been patchy um, in games. Similar to the victory against the Broncos, if they could just, I guess, put it all together consistently for, for two halves of football... They've shown that they, they can beat anyone on their day. Yeah, definitely. Um, the Titans, as you said, they're a bit patchy, inconsistent at times. 
if they can play a full 70 minutes of football, they're, they're going to be a, um, definitely a massive competition for the Dragons. I think, you know, the, the Titans have been very inconsistent with who they're playing. And I think a lot of the time they've kind of dropped off their level of playing and trying – a lot of their games have been very close, you know. None of them have been a blowout. And that's because I think they let the errors creep into their game and they, they you know, they don't win the um, 50-50 calls. Um, but if they can really kind of knuckle down and get in that arm wrestle with the Dragons, then there's no stopping them. Yeah, they, they play a very different style to the Dragons, so it's going to be interesting to see how they play. Mon, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on the halves in Grace Griffin and, and, and Kimi Ora, Braley Nardi, who, you know, I, I've – I find in the NRLW competition, there are still teams that struggle to fight their way back in terms of recapturing momentum. You know, when things go away, you know, when things go against the Titans, I find they sort of really struggle to sort of fight their way back. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see whether the halves can, again, be patient, not force the pass, um, and really try and get into a grind with the Dragons because that's where they want to be. I don't necessarily think the Titans can go toe-to-toe with the Dragons and win this game 40 points to 30. I think they're going to have to keep it tight uh, and really grind it out like they did against the Broncos. Mon, you know, one of the things, one of the reasons why the Titans need to be patient and slowly build their game and, I guess, earn the right to play football is when they get into good ball, one player in particular who's been outstanding, or a couple of players, to be honest, is their center, Shania Power. Mon, she's near on, she's near in, uh, unstoppable close to the line. So, again, there's no need to be throwing silly passes in the middle of the field. Grind your way. Get get down in a good ball. Get early ball to Shania Power. Even Jazzy Peters. Um, yeah, they've definitely got the ability to score points, the Titans. Definitely. How good is Shania Power be? Like, she is just, like, being an animal on the field, really, if I'm honest. Like, she is just tearing it up. She's been in such... She's a very underrated player. Like, you know, not many people give a lot of love to Power, but she deserves it. She deserves all the love and the acknowledgement because, yeah, um, they need to control the ball. And if they can learn to control the ball and not be so frustrated with it and then, you know, get that ball outside to their backs, we, we know they can get the job done. They just have to be comp- um, controlled with it. Yeah, absolutely. And again, why why should this team, you know, the Titans game plan needs to, Mon, play the most boring, dull semifinal you've ever seen in your entire life. Really just play physical up the middle. Don't push the pass. Reduce the errors. This is what the Gold Coast Titans formula needs to be to compete against the Dragons. Mon, why is that the case? Because they have one of the best forward packs in the competition and they're led by Steph Hancock at... Uh, now, Mon, you know, you probably feel a little bit older and battered and bruised after your semi-final performance, but do you want to share with the listeners how old you are? How old are you, Mon? I'm 19. I'll be 20 this year. Yeah, so I guess, you know, Steph Hancock, at, at the bright old age, you know, at the young age of 40 years of age, so 20 years from now, Mon, uh, picture yourself being out there in the middle in the elite competition. I mean, Mon, tell me a player that is playing better in the middle than Steph Hancock at 40 years of age. It, I mean, I, I, I honestly don't know what I'm seeing out there at the moment. There was a double kick there that she had in that last round. She's out there scoring tries, leading from the middle. I mean, we, we know that we're experiencing history here. She's a true legend of the game. And, you know, we'll talk about some of the other forwards in the middle, but I had to really shout out Steph Hancock once again because 40 years of age, Mon, and she's dominating the competition. Outstanding performance. 
I can't think of myself playing football in 20 years' time. I actually said to one of my teammates on the field, if I'm playing, we were talking about Steph Hancock, and I said, if I'm playing football at 40 years of age, I want you to just, you know, pack me up and take me to the retirement home. Like, you know, I can't imagine putting myself through that in the next 20 years' time. No way. And she has just paved the way for girls like myself. Um, Football wouldn't be where it's at without a player like Steph Hancock. And she, it's just phenomenal to think that she's 40 years old and she is still killing it. And it's not like she's there to make up numbers. She is one of the best in her positions, and she leads that forward pack so well. Mon, what she does is when things get a little bit chaotic, which it can get for the Titans, she just settles things down, you know what I mean? And obviously her decision-making around, you know, um, kicking the penalty to, to win that game against the Broncos and her leadership. But, again, she just settles things down. She really leads that forward pack. And, again, um, yeah, really, really impressive there. Um, talk about some other players coming through. Destiny Brill, you know, again, at her age, Mon, you know, she's one of the game's best. Uh, Raftran Smith, um, again, continues to find her way. I still think that, you know, we haven't seen the best of her. And I think in the final series that could certainly happen. Um, but Mon, you know, we've we've spoken about all these names. Um, I, I feel like Brianna Clark is, is playing her best football at the moment. You know, we've talked about some absolute stars in the Dragons' problem. One player that we probably haven't spoken about who is returning, Mon Tasman Gray. I mean, what a luxury to to step in. You know, you're a brand new franchise. You step into your first semi-finals game. You're coming up against a red hot Dragons team. The luxury of bringing Tasman Gray back after that suspension. I mean. Wind her up and let her go because Tasman Gray, she's going to be out there to cause some damage. Tasman Gray is a wrecking ball. And anyone that doesn't think that, they're going to get a rude shock because I think she's going to be extremely hungry um, after the, the the match she missed this weekend with her suspension. She's going to be on another level. We know how good she is. We know how good she can be. And missing that match and knowing that her team is going into a do-or-die match she is going to be unstoppable. And I am very, very excited to see that matchup between her, Elsie Albert, and and uh, the outside backs as well with Shaley Benton, Cody House. She is just going to give them hell. And it's going to be awesome to see. Yeah, look, it's it's pretty impressive, you know, the Gold Coast Titans being here. Obviously, the two new franchises, Parramatta Reels and Newcastle Knights, didn't qualify. A uh, little bit of a controversial there with, with Parramatta Reels dropping out. But, um, yeah, for them to be here, um, yeah, very, very impressive for their first year. All right, Mon, no sitting on the fence. Time for our predictions. Who have you got in this one? As much as I love the Titans, I'm going to have to go with the Dragons. I just think that they're going to be too strong for the Titans. I think, yeah, the inconsistency that we've seen with the Titans the last couple of weeks, I think that may may be a factor, uh, and the Dragons are just too red-hot at the moment. They're just going to – I see them in the grand final. Yeah, look, for me, I'm not betting against Rachel Pearson. I mean, she is terrifying. And, again, she just goes about her goes about her business. And, um, yeah, no, she's a very, very special player, really, really important to the Dragons. I think the Dragons get the job done. How would the Titans win? Um, I think it's an interesting question. They need to produce a 70-minute performance, which they haven't necessarily shown too much throughout uh, the competition so far. And Mon, they need to grind it down. They need to keep the Dragons to just one score. Um, yeah, you know, they, they really need to, to battle it out. So anyway, it's going to be very interesting to see what the Gold Coast Titans can produce there, but Dragons for me. All right, Mon, let's step through now to our next feature game as the Brisbane Broncos uh, come up against the Sydney Roosters. Mon, let's start with the Broncos because, hey, a little bit shaky. They dropped that game against the Titans and... 
you know, it was really interesting to see how they were going to go in that last round. But, you know, obviously they blew Parramatta off the park. They claimed the minor premiership. How are you feeling about the Broncos coming into this game? Because they've definitely got that dynasty, invincible feeling about them. You know, I guess that's my question, Mon. Can this team be beaten? Absolutely. They can be beaten. It's not easy. We've seen that. Um, But they can be beaten. And I think the Roosters will be analysing and breaking down that match of the Titans and Broncos and just picking apart how they are going to beat this team. Because the Broncos, look, we we wrap them, you know, give them wraps on this show all the time, but they deserve it. They are such a professional side. They are. They deserve the dynasty that they have built. But, of course, they're beatable. Of course. Any team is beatable. It just depends on who shows up better on the day. And I think if the Roosters show up with a bit of form, then, of course, they can beat them. Yeah, Mon, I think one of the things that, um, you know, the Broncos will be looking to do is to not beat themselves. Um Again, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these close games. You know, we've seen a few blowouts. Obviously, the Broncos putting Parramatta to the sword. I think the Knights had had a bit of a difficult day a couple of weeks ago as well. But typically, we're talking the difference in these games is one, two tries. Mon, these errors, these unforced errors, pushing the passes. You know, again, just not settling into contests and being patient. That that at the end of the day, that's proving to be the proving to be the the, the difference. I guess it'll be really interesting to see how the Broncos play here because they do play a very expansive style with offloads. They play very quick uh, from dummy half up the middle. be really interesting, Mon, to see whether the Broncos can be patient here because um, it kind of goes against the way in which they play. Okay, let's um, pick out a couple of um, standout players uh, from the Broncos, and it's not hard to find a few because they are, yeah, a very, very, very impressive team. Um, Mon, we were talking a little bit about their hooker, Lauren Brown. Um, over to you about her her performances throughout the competition because, yeah, I mean, she would be in a handful of the best players in the world right now. Absolutely. Um, you think of the best players in the world and Lauren Brown has to be on that list. She is just phenomenal with the way she – she is another um, kind of general in the field. You know, she takes that pressure off Ali Brigginshaw and Taryn Aiken all the time you know, we know how good Ali Brigginshaw is, but having Ali Brigginshaw, Lauren Brown and Taryn Aiken all on the field at the same time is a luxury. And, you know, the, the Broncos, the results are coming from it. And Lauren Brown has just been carving up the last few weeks. She's scored heaps of tries, kicked heaps of goals. She has got the best kicking game with the from Hooker and um, definitely, definitely is a huge factor in their win over the Roosters yeah, this weekend. It's definitely got a bit of a sense of fantasy football, you know, for others that play it in different sports where you get all the best players and you talk about that spine and, and it's pretty special. Um, to make it up to him, we'll see whether she's clear to play, come back. Um, again, that's another element there. But Lauren Brown, I've said it before, just plays with so much time. You know, you're almost screaming uh, at the defense to, to get in there, you know, get some pressure on Lauren. But um, again, each and every time she seems to evade it. And um, again, she's always sort of getting the ball out um, and, and taking the right options. So, yeah, Lauren Brown, she's playing some special football um, at the moment. Um, you know, Mon, we've, we've given a few teams a wrap in terms of their forward pack. Um, the Broncos, they've really built... Um, they've really built their success, this competition, I feel, off their forward pack. Millie Boyle, Chelsea Lenarduzzi. But, um, yeah, talk to me a little bit more about Amber Hall there um, on the edge because, 
you know, we've seen a bit of a weapon unlocked in recent weeks because if the outside backs are not going to cause problems, if your middle forwards, they're, they're, they're causing you enough problems as well. But now you've got to deal with Amber Hall on the edge there. Uh, anyway, talk unpack Amber's game because she's showing some pretty special things over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like Amber Hall is – Broncos is a very star-studded side. You've got superstars everywhere. So you tend to kind of look past even like players like Amber Hall because you've, you, she's playing against uh, – the sorry, beside Millie Boyle, Chelsea Lennardusi and players like that. So Amber Hall tends to get overlooked and she has been all us uh, the early couple rounds. But the last two rounds or so, you cannot overlook Amber Hall. She is just a workhorse. Um, she carves it up like wrecking ball through the middle. She's unstoppable. And, you know, it, it's it's weird because, as you said in the previous episode, um, for such a big girl, she has got some great ball skills. And, and you know, she, um, she'd be – if she wasn't the size she was, she would 100% be uh, – challenging Ali Brigginshaw and Taryn Aiken for their spot in the halves because, yeah, she, to have an outside back as Amber Hall, who's, you know, devastating to try and tackle her and with her ball skills, yes, the Broncos are very, very lucky with yeah, uh, it, the players that they have. Brings a different dimension to it, doesn't it? Like, you know, you, you're so stressed about bringing these big dynamic players on the edge down and, and you're sort of trying to tackle them, but you know that if you don't lock up the ball – you know she's obviously going to get an offload out, and then she can play early. And then again, you're you know you've highlighted her playmaking skills. It's just another little um, wrinkle that the Broncos have been able to add into their offense that makes them very dynamic. Um, and then Mon, obviously, Tamika Upson coming in completely changes the way in which they play. Um, and then just to round things off, you've got their captain. You've got arguably one of the greatest players of all time in Ali Brigginshaw. Again, you think about nerves pre-game. Maybe things aren't going your way, um, you know, during the game. Talk to me a little bit about have the importance of Ali being in this game for the Brisbane Broncos because, you know, if things go wrong, you know that she'll be able to steady the ship. Well, we've seen in previous games that Ali Brigginshaw can single-handedly win a game. Um, she is, with her, the experience that she has, um, and if, if things aren't going the Broncos' way, I'm 100% back in Ali Brigginshaw to pull something out of her magic hat because her toolbox that she has is is so deep. Like she can – her kicking game's amazing. Her running game's amazing. That left foot step is deadly. You know, her tackle – like there's not much of her, but she can really throw girls around as well. She is very strong, very smart, very aware. Um, Ali Brigginshaw is going to be, you know, a monumental – part in in the Roosters getting to the grand final if they can beat the Roosters uh, yes. and winning the grand final. Yeah, no, yeah it, I, we're just about to jump into the Roosters, but um, no, you're exactly right. And, and a little bit unfair because she's the coach out there as well. So you've got to deal <laughs> with all of those physical attributes. One of the greatest um, players to play the game. Uh, brilliant player, and then she's out there coaching as well. So if things are sort of not going your way, um, if they, if someone's found a little bit of a uh, a bit of a, a chink in the armor there for for the Broncos, um, Ali's out there to repair it straight away. So yeah, it's a little bit challenging there. Uh, all right, well let's flip it over to the Roosters. Um, Mon, whoever is leading at halftime wins this football game. Um, so for me, if the Roosters 
you know, one of the things with the Broncos is they really have been fast starters, you know, in some of their better performances. The Roosters, they've got to hang in here because that's exactly what the Broncos are going to try and do. They're going to try and blow them off the park to start with. Mon, we've got to try and work out ways in which the Roosters can hold the Broncos back. But in saying that, I, I guess, you know, do their own sort of damage and try and take a lead into half time. So let's unpack, uh, you know, their squad and some of their, their big plays. Uh, Mon, Corbin Baxter, you know, it, it's been a little bit of an interesting campaign for her um, as captain. Um, probably, you know, we'll be looking for one of her bigger performances in this one. But, you know, a player that I'll be very interested um, to hear your thoughts on is Zahara Tamara there at 5'8". Um, talk to me a little bit about her because, again, seems to be sort of improving and, you know, it, it's a great thing to have a player with her talent sort of really try and hit her best form in the finals. Yeah, uh, you know, Zahara's been quiet in the start of the um, round for sure, you know, coming off the bench, wasn't starting. But um, she's been in there starting the last couple of weeks and, as you said, yeah, she is improving each and every week. Um, her experience of um, game management as well and picking when to pass, picking when to kick is is huge for the Roosters. And I think that's why having Zahara there um, starting the halves has been a big reason why the Roosters have won their last two games. Um, and, uh, you know, or apart from this weekend, obviously, um, but yeah, so Zahara is just she's she's just phenomenal. She's a phenomenal athlete. We've seen how good she can be. So I'm really hoping that she can get back into that that form coming into the final series. Yeah, yeah no, it, it's going to be. I, I think fifty fifty possession is going to be the absolute key here for the Roosters because Mon, I have confidence that the Roosters will be able to turn away the Broncos, and that's that's not it. That's a mouthful. That's a that's not easy given the the strike that the Broncos have, but I just think that the Roosters, they're sneaky one of the better defensive teams in the game, especially when they're desperate in a final. Um, again, promoting our earlier episode, for those that haven't had a chance to go out and listen to it, go back because we um, we interviewed one-on-one Olivia Koenig, who, you know, at our star there for the Roosters, but... You know, Mon, you know, these these forwards here at the Roosters, they're not going to die wondering. They're going to have one match, one opportunity to upset the Broncos. Yasmin Meeks, um, Liv Koenig, Hannah Southwell, Sarah Togatuki, um, you know, it, it again, they're not going to be intimidated. Um, last player we want to quickly touch on just because of her form, Olivia Higgins there at dummy half. Uh, Mon, a player who, again, is warming to the task, but starting to really show a few more things in attack, which again, is really, really important for the Roosters if, again, they want to be leading this game at halftime. Yeah, Liv Higgins, she doesn't run the ball much, but when she does, when she chooses to run, um, and she makes easy 10, 15 metres at a time, you know. She she is very, like, I didn't realise how quick she was because, I, you know, she doesn't run that often, but she is very fast. She's very sharp out of hooker. Her service has been, you know, perfect as well. Can't fault that, um, and her defense as well. Like you can't, you can't say she's not a great defender because she is. Um, you know, she she is really kind. Another underrated player at the Roosters, but um, definitely deserves her spot. Um, and very excited to see more of her and more of what she can do. Yeah, look, if uh, if the Roosters are to get fifty fifty possession and really try and compete in the wi- uh, in the middle. It'll certainly be off the back of a lot of the great work that Higgins does there at dummy half. 
All right, Mon. I, again, last time I said this, there was the mo- I guess the biggest upset in NRLW history. I said the Titans have absolutely no chance. Well, that, that's what they're going to be told against the Broncos, and they went and they went and beat them. Mon, I'm going to be honest with you. No one is going to be giving the Sydney Roosters any sort of chance here. I know you're probably leaning towards the Broncos, but is it going to be? I mean, they've just come off absolutely annihilating the Parramatta Reels. Is it going to be a bigger scoreline as what everyone predicts, or do you think that this one will be a little bit closer? I absolutely think that this one is going to be a very tight match. Uh, as I said, semi-final football is a different grade of football. Um, and the Roosters, yeah, we we know the, the superstars that are in the Broncos side, but I think a lot of people forget the superstars that are in the Roosters side. You've got the likes of Isabel Kelly and uh, Jess Sturgis that have been really tapping into that form of late. Bridie Parker, she can score a try anywhere on the park. You know, they've got the experience with Zahara Tamara and Hannah Southwell. Roosters are not a team that is just going to bow down to the Broncos. No way. They are going to fight and it's going to be a fantastic game to watch. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Look, I I learned, you know, quite a while ago not to get a bet against the the Brisbane Broncos, Uh, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than whatever I think. I think Lauren Brown... Um, conversion from the sideline will probably uh, be the difference that'll split these two. But uh, keep an eye on the Roosters' um, edge back rowers, Yasmin Meeks, Olivia Koenig. I really think they've got a try uh, between them. Uh, fantastic, uh, fantastic players. And look, this is going to be a ripper. I cannot wait to see who progresses through uh, to the grand final. All right, well, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is sitting in closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. All right, my nice and quick one here on Rapid Fire. And it's a pretty simple one is... We've had our predictions. Dragons, Broncos is kind of where we're thinking the grand final, what that's going to look like. It'll be really interesting to see next week whether we've got that one right. If that is the case, who do you? what is your predicted semi-final MVP? Who do you think will be the standout player uh, in this round, in during this semi-final uh, in week one? Um, we'll go back and see whether we got this one right. Uh, MVP for the semis has got to be Lauren Brown for me. We have seen her carve up in the round games so far in the campaign. Um, and I think she's just going to go to another level this week in the semis. Um, you know, her game management, we spoke a bit about it before, but her game management is just huge. Her kicking is amazing. Um, you know, she is very, very silky. Um, her service has been perfect. I can't fault her. I physically cannot fault Laura Brown. She is one of the best and she deserves to be there and, yeah, I just think she's going to have a blinder. I think she's just going to be wreak havoc for the Roosters. She's going to be very hard to stop, and I love how the forwards run off her. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be really, really exciting to watch Lauren Brown explode even more. Excellent. All right, well, we'll, uh, we'll mark that one down. Player of the match, Lauren Brown, MVP for the semifinals. Look, for me, I think it's going to be Elsie Albert because, um, you know, she's been, she was very up and down in that last game. You know, way too many errors there from Elsie. So I think, um, I think that will be addressed. And, you know, once you eliminate those errors, if she can sort of play uh, without any errors whatsoever and just produce what she produces each and every week, 
Mon, yeah, add on to that the, the the level of expectation in around semi-finals, and her really needed to lead that pack. I think it's a scary proposition. So I've got Elsie Albert starring for the Dragons. No errors, but absolutely dominating in the middle. So uh, anyway, let's see how our predictions look uh, as we reflect on them next week. All right, guys, well, that's all the time we have tonight. just want to thank my amazing panel, Mon, uh, always bringing the heat as we talk all things rugby league. The full panel will be back next week. We've got Tasha coming back. We've got Jackson back. And then, again, our new panellists will be joining. Stay tuned for that. And to our listeners, we really do appreciate your support here on the Women in League show. Continue to download the podcast, share with family and friends, and until next week, we'll catch you then.